I'm going to just read verses 15, 16, and 17. Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. <clears throat> Let's look to the Lord in prayer before we look into His Word. <clears throat> Father, we thank You that the Lord reminded us that Your Word is truth. Help us to understand the truth and to be set free by that truth and to be sanctified by that truth. Thank You, God the Spirit, that You are here with us and that to bless us. And I pray that we might allow you to speak to us, speak to me, give me wisdom and guidance as I speak. And may the words I speak and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and redeemer, we ask in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. <coughs> In the providence of God, <laughs> as everything happens, uh, uh, Pastor Tony and I were talking this past week about my helping him maybe in February, and so I started working, and uh, I didn't think February was going to come this fast, <laughs> but, but time sure flies. <laughs> and so uh, here I am this morning, and... Uh, by the grace of God, I'll be able to share what the Lord has laid on my heart. Uh, let me remind you where we've been in, in this third chapter of Colossians. Uh, I think it's always good to kind of understand it in the context that we are in. And uh, I pointed out at the beginning in this chapter, there are 15 commands. And uh, the commands of this chapter are varied and different, but with the exception of the last four or five, they are all to the body of Christ in general. And and uh, the last ones are to individuals like husbands, wives, children, uh, servants, and so on. And uh, uh, we we have to understand that when the commands are given in Scripture, they demand obedience. And we talked about obedience and uh, the kind of obedience God that is looking for is what I call relational obedience. Obedience to Him because He loved you. We love Him. If you keep on loving me, He said, you will keep my commandments. And so our relationship with him will determine our obedience to the commands. And then we looked at 
the first command, which I called find fellowship with Christ. And uh, uh, he says, uh, uh, then you were raised with Christ. Oh, excuse me. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And I pointed out that the this command and the second command are also relational commands. And he says, if you be raised with Christ, which you have, if you're a believer, then keep seeking Christ. Keep seeking Christ. And the the to me, the destruction of the church in the day we live is it has lost what I call its Christocentricity. Christ isn't the center of the church anymore. All kinds of things are. And Christ must be the center. And so we as individuals must keep seeking those things which are above. And then we saw that Christ was seated and accepted the seat at the right hand of God. And there he intercedes for us as our prophet, priest, and king. Then that's all based on a relationship because we have been raised with Christ. Because we're living in a resurrection life with Jesus Christ. Then we looked at the second command that runs from verses 2 to 4. And uh, I entitled it, Fix Your Focus Properly. And it says, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And that word, set your mind there, could be translated, have a mindset. Have a mindset on things above. Does that mean we don't live in this world? And No. But everything we do in this world should be controlled by our upward focus. Everything we do in this world should be... Uh, looking for or just part of God's eternal purpose and plan for us as we go along. So we must fix our focus properly. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we get so busy in this world and the things of this world is pretty hard to fix our focus on heaven, isn't it? We we get so busy and there's so many things to do. Do you ever find yourself, I do anyway, uh, sitting down and say, okay, tomorrow I got to do this, next day I got to do that thing. You know, and, and, and we get so focused that we forget, Lord, I'll just turn tomorrow into your hands. You told me that the trouble of today is enough, <laughs> and I'm having trouble handling that, so uh, let's not worry about tomorrow, you know. And so I think that's uh, uh, <coughs> important. And then in verses 5 through 7, we saw what I call flee former sins. The sins that we lived in when we were non-believers should not be part of our life today. God should be removing these things out of our life as we are focusing on Him, as we are focusing on things above, then the sins that we used to sin will be uh, something... Uh, I used the word once, putrid to us. They will make us sick 
and we won't want anything to do with them. So we run from those things just just like you would run a oh you shouldn't run if a bear was chasing you. Uh uh I I probably would <laughs> but uh, uh I I think we have to flee from them. And then he gives us a list in verse 8 of things that we are to forsake. And these are uh, characteristics that work up very easily in our lives, like anger, wrath, uh, malice. Uh, we, we, we are to set those things aside. How do I set those things aside? How can I set those things aside? Because, because of my relationship with Christ in his death and resurrection. We see that in those first two verses, and that's the basis of all the success that we have in our Christian life. And then in verses 9 through 11, we looked at the fact that we should flee uh, or free ourselves from a foul tongue. And the like James says, the tongue's a, a little member of our body, but it's like the rudder on a ship. It steers a lot of things in our lives, and we have to watch what we say and how we say it and who we say it to and when we say it. And uh, All of this must be under the control of the Spirit in our lives so that we are always speaking and saying those things which are not offensive to others, and let me just say here, there's some things that we have to say that are offensive to people. In, in, our, in our evangelical society today, uh, they say, uh, well, you can't be offensive, so you can't tell people they're sinners. Uh, that's being loving. That's not being offensive. If it offends them, it's because they are sinners, you see. And so we must, we must uh, uh, be careful how and when we use our tongue. And again, the Holy Spirit will give us guidance and direction. And then the last time we were together, we looked at verses 12 through 15, what I call uh, the formal frocks of yours. And frocks is a, a word for flowing garments, if you remember. And God has given us the flowing garment of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And he deals with that where he has talked about being a new man in verse 10. Now he's talking about uh, being clothed in the garments of Christ. We are new men and we have new clothing. We don't, we don't go around with the same clothing that we used to have before. And this is a wonderful thing that uh, Christ has provided for us this clothing so that we could be growing and becoming more like him and growing in righteousness and holiness in our life, which we are called to do. Jesus, uh, uh, Peter writes, be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And uh, Paul says, I, I press on towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that should be our motivation. Uh, I'd like to just take time now to look at the seventh command. Uh, yeah, 
the seventh command, it, and uh, it's in verse 15. It's just three words. If you look at the last part of verse 15, it says, Also be thankful. Also be thankful. <coughs> Simple command, isn't it? I entitled this, Full Provision Fires Up Gratitude. Full provision fires up gratitude. In other words, when I can sit down and understand all that God is and all that he's done for me and all that he's provided and all that will come, it should just make my heart filled with thanksgiving and gratitude. And uh, I, I thought that uh, just for a quick look because we could spend quite a bit of time looking at this <clears throat> but uh, I would just like to look at some passages that deal with thankfulness and point out and I would challenge you to take the uh, 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 the New Testament and find out all the different things it says but I'm just going to give you four different verses because I want to point out what I call the direction of our thankfulness and the dimensions of our thankfulness. And you will see this in these verses. The first verse that I want to look at <coughs> is found in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. First 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven. It says, but thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice, first of all, the direction of our gratitude. What is the direction of our gratitude? It's toward God. We should be thankful to God. Um, I read that the other day and I thought, said to myself, uh... David, how much time do you spend thanking God? You know, uh, we, we have to understand that the whole plan of salvation and every purpose that came through Jesus Christ was the purpose of God. And so we look back to Him and we look to Him for everything that we have and we praise Him and give thanks for all he has done. And then the second part of that verse talks about one of the dimensions that we thank God for. It says, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Probably could be better translated, uh, who is constantly causing us to triumph through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, do you feel like that all the time? <laughs> Constantly triumphing in the Lord Jesus Christ? But we are step by step. You see, we grow, we grow in this whole uh, concept of victory in Christ. And it's an ongoing thing. And we should be thanking God 
that he has provided this for us so that we don't be stagnant people and uh, as uh, uh, we are believers, we should be showing forth the glories of Jesus Christ in our lives. And, and that is victory because he is the victor and he accomplished victory on our behalf. The second verse I'd like to look at just to, again to help you, us is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. It says, Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Again, what's the focus of our thanksgiving? It's God. And what is the focus or the dimension that we are thanking God for in this thanksgiving? It is for His Son, the indescribable gift. Uh, how do you describe the Lord Jesus Christ? How do you describe the wonder of His person? It's impossible. So you thank God for the wonder that He would send His Son to become God incarnate on this earth so that we could have redemption. That was God's gift to us. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And we didn't have to do anything to earn it. He provided it all for us. And it was given to us by God. And we should be thanking Him for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think I have to ask myself, and I don't know about you, but how often do I thank God for the Lord Jesus Christ? Just for who He is. For His majesty, His glory, His uh, authority. <clears throat> and the next verse I'd like to look at is in Ephesians chapter 5 verses 20 and 21 and we'll run into these verses again as we move on into the latter part of this chapter but uh, uh, I think here in, uh, is a good time to look at this verse he says giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me point out again, the direction of our praise is to God. We praise God. Remember, God the Father is the sovereign who rules all things. So we turn everything back to Him and praise Him. And he says, giving thanks for things that are nice and good that you really like. No. He says, giving thanks for all things. And how often? Always. 
always. It's a, it should be a continual habit of our life that when I fall and break my leg, I say, praise the Lord. That doesn't sound right, does it? That doesn't sound right. But we should praise God because all things work together for good to those who love God. Why? He tells us in verse 29 of Romans 8. Because, because, and that's what the verse start with, because those that God has chosen, he has decreed to be conformed to the image of his son. And so whatever happens in my life, whether it's drastic or whether it's good, it's all there to help me to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And I think most of us would scratch our heads and say, uh, uh, how does a broken leg, uh, you know, uh, make me like Jesus Christ? Well, it does if we are turned and focused on him. You see, we go back to verse 1. Where is our focus? Is it on Jesus Christ? And when I look at all, all my infirmities and the things that God has put upon me, I can look and I can say, thanks, thanks, because I know your purposes are good. I know your sovereign plan is good, and I know I can trust you. I know I can trust you. She says, all things work together uh, for good uh, uh, <clears throat> to... Uh, so we are always to give thanks for these things. And notice he adds the little tag on the end there. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that word name uh, can also be translated character. In the character. We, we look at the character of Christ. And we have to give thanks for everything because we know the price he paid to get us where we are. And therefore, we give thanks constantly no matter what the situation is because we know who he is, what he's done. And the more we get to know him, as we saw in that uh, uh, first verse, the more we will love him and obey him as we understand his majesty and his authority. And then finally, the last verse I want to look at here is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. First Thessalonians 5.18. It says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You notice what it says there. When things are good, give thanks. Right? No, it says, In everything. Everything. I was talking with one of my former students and uh, 
He's a senior pastor in a church, and uh, he was saying, well, I thank God that I'm going blind. He said, I have to preach differently now. He said, I have to prepare my sermons. I have to memorize them because I can't see in the pulpit. And he said, but I thank God that this is all part of his purpose. This is all part of his purpose. And uh, uh, I thought, wow, <laughs> what, what, what a blessing just to hear him say that, you know. And uh, we give thanks for all things. Why? Why do we give thanks for all things? He tells us, because this is the will of God. This is the will of God. And we go back to what I said before. What is God's will in all of this? To conform us to the image of His Son. To conform us to the image of His Son. And he says, and it is God's will in the sphere of Jesus Christ. So everything that's happening to us is in Jesus Christ for us, for the glory of God. So I, I would just challenge you, uh, take time sometime and read all the passages that... Uh, have to do with giving thanks and you will find that thanks is always to God and then the dimensions are great for the things that we should be thanking God for what am I thanking God for well most of us I think and rightly so just thank God for our salvation and that's a great thing but have you Ever thought of thanking God for suffering? He says that's part of it. Jesus said, if you're going to reign with me, you're going to have to suffer with me first. So we should be thanking God for everything. And that's vital and important. So the fullness then of the blessings uh, should bring us gratitude uh, and praise to God, everything that God has provided for us. And I'm going to get started with this passage in the next passage, verses 16 and 17, and I'll probably finish them the next time we get together because this is jammed full. Uh, uh, verses 16 and 17 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. You notice Paul gets us back to giving thanks again at the end of that. And it's a great thing. Uh, I call this uh, uh, fill up with fruitfulness. Fill up with fruitfulness. Don't fill up your car with gas because it's expensive, but the fruitfulness is free. 
comes by the grace of God. <clears throat> uh, I like to call Colossians the Reader's Digest condensed version of the book of Ephesians. And so I'm going to tie it in with Ephesians as we go along here. If you look at the book of Ephesians, you'll see the first doctrinal application, and then the rest of it is application to us in our Christian life. If you study the book of Colossians carefully, you'll see the first two chapters are basically doctrine, and the rest are application to our spiritual life. And so they're the same, except uh, uh, Paul was a little short-winded in Colossians and a little long-winded in, in the book of Ephesians. And uh, so we're going to tie this together with uh, Ephesians 5.18 and through 20. I'll read those to you <clears throat> because I think these two things are vitally tied together. Ephesians 5.18 It says, And do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, where did you just hear that? It's in Colossians, wasn't it? It's the same thing. But there's one, one distinction here. In Ephesians, he's talking about the Spirit. And in Colossians, he's talking about the Word. And the Word and the Spirit cannot be divorced from one another. You see, I can have intellectual understanding of the Word. I can express it. But unless the Spirit takes that truth and transforms my life through the knowledge of that truth, then I haven't accomplished anything. I remember uh, there's a commentary that was written by a, a German Greek scholar on the book of Galatians. And one of the Greek scholars in America said he has written the best commentary on the book of Galatians that I've ever read. Why? because he was just dealing with it intellectually and giving intellectual facts. But he wasn't giving spiritual food out of it. But as far as the exegesis of the passage was concerned, he did an excellent job. And uh, we can know all the facts, but if we aren't controlled by the Spirit, then... We're just learning facts and they're not transforming our lives. And that's why it's important. The facts are vital and important, but without the Spirit, they're nothing. Okay? 
unless the Holy Spirit takes the word and does a work in our hearts. And that's why we have an emphasis in the church and Pastor Tony emphasizes knowing the word. You have to know the word. But just getting it up here, like somebody said, it's no use putting it in a noodle. You've got to put the noodle in the soup to taste it. And uh, I, I, I think we have to have the Spirit stir all of this into our hearts and give us this truth. I'm going to uh, give you a literal translation now and, and, and then do a little uh, look at these words, but of Colossians 3.16. Colossians 3.16. It says, and it starts different than it does in most of our translations. It starts, the word of Christ. That's what it starts with. The word of Christ. And by the way, the way it's set up in the grammar, it allows us to see either the word believed about Christ or the word spoken by Christ. It could be either, and it's both. See, it's both. Because what Christ spoke, he also spoke about his own self and his own character. He spoke about who he was and what he came to do and what he came to accomplish. And then he told us what to do and how to live our Christian life. So the word of Christ... <clears throat> Uh, continually inhabiting or dwelling in the sphere of you abundantly, abundantly. Not just a little bit, not just a little bit. Uh, I have, I have a, oh, it's in my Bible, uh, 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 an article, uh, a pastor was illustrating the fact that uh, you might know about the Word of God, but that uh, you can't, uh, uh, unless you understand it and know it and understand it completely, you will never get it. And he tells a story about this young man who was asked, are you a Christian? He said, oh, yes, I am. He says, uh, do you know the Bible? Yeah, I, I read it and all the time. I read the Bible all the time. And he said, oh, now what's your favorite story in, in the Bible? Oh, he said, the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan is my favorite story. He said, well, tell us the story of the Good Samaritan, then, if it's your favorite story. He says, well, there was a man on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among the thorns, and the thorns choked him, <laughs> and, 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 and it keeps going on like this, you know, and, and uh, uh, he intertwines all different scriptures, but they don't fit the story of the Good Samaritan, you see. And we have to, we have to know the Word of God abundantly, completely. And then the next words are uh, 
important. It says, in the sphere of all skill, uh, in in our uh, English translation, it says, in all wisdom. That word wisdom in the original has the idea of skill or expertise. We should be experts in the Word of God. We should be people who study and know and understand the Word of God. And you say, well, how can I be an expert? Well, first of all, God has blessed the church with a pastor teachers so they can teach us the Word. But each one of us, each one of us have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us who is not only the teacher of the Word, but the author of the Word. And so it's His Word. It's His Word. And therefore, He can give us the expertise in the Word if we seek Him. And that's why we go back to... uh, Ephesians 5, you see, in Ephesians 5, it says, it says that we are to be constantly, completely under the control of the Holy Spirit. So as we are under the control of the Holy Spirit and we study the Word of God, then we become experts in the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying we know everything perfectly, but we understand it the way God wants us to understand it, and we understand it more and more and more as we grow, as we spend time in the Word. And uh, I think that uh, often, often the pulpit is filled with trying to uh, 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 fight against this thought, this thought, or that thought, and uh, uh, we we need to know not what other people are thinking, but what the Word teaches. And that's vital and important. We have to know what the Word teaches. You've heard the illustration probably that in the FBI in the United States, when they're training people to uh, uh, be experts at uh, finding counterfeit money, they, 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 they train them for three years and they never show them a counterfeit bill. They show them the real bill. So that every time they look at it, they know what a real bill is. And if they uh, see a counterfeit, they'll know it automatically. Because it's not the real thing. And uh, this, is, this is what happens to us. Uh, pastor's been talking to us about this in, in uh, uh, First John that the Holy Spirit, He helps us to understand these things, and therefore, we know them. We know them, and we become experts in putting it all together, not because we're smart, but because we have the Spirit of God in us who helps us to understand the truth and to know it and to work in it. So he says that we are to do that and then he talks about teaching notice what he says here in all wisdom teaching that word uh, that's translated teaching 
has the idea behind it, teaching with your mouth. You know, you, you hear a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm teaching people about Christ by my life and my example. Uh, I don't think so. They're just seeing nice people. They're just seeing nice people. And we are to teach with our mouth. We are to speak the word. Faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. And so he says, you got to speak the word of God. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but it's easy to be shy when everybody's looking at you, you know. And uh, yet that's the great opportunity we have to speak out the truth of the Word of God. And so he said, teaching, also exhorting one another in psalms and hymns. By the way, that word hymns in the original has the idea of uh, declaring someone's greatness. And of course, we're declaring the greatness of God. And so the, the great part of the assembling of the people of God in our worship should be declaring the greatness of our God. How great is your God? You see, your Christian life only goes as far as you understand the greatness of your God. And uh, uh, <clears throat> that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit has been given to us for. Jesus says, and when I send the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things that I have ever said, and he will glorify me. And Paul says, we see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so when God is being glorified through our knowledge of Jesus Christ, then we speak out those things in the hymns and the praise that we sing together. Our hymns should be hymns that encourage each one of us to reflect on the greatness of our God. And then he says, also, spiritual praise, and uh, uh, we, uh, that uh, in, in the uh, New King James here, it says, uh, singing uh, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That word songs has the, is, it could better be translated praise. We sing with spiritual praise. We are always praising, always praising, always praising. And this is one of the great parts of worship here, isn't it? That we can praise God together as the church, as the people of God. And this is what he's talking about here in the fellowship of the people because he said we're singing to one another did you realize that when you sing you're ministering to somebody else and they're ministering to you that's what he's saying 
We are ministering to one another in our worship, in our worship together. As we praise God for His greatness, as we look at all the blessings that are ours in Christ and sing about them, we're ministering to one another. That's what he's saying here. You're ministering to one another. And that's vital and important. <clears throat> and then he says, always praising God. Always praising God. In the sphere of the grace in your hearts to the Lord. And uh, I think it's important for us to realize that the only people who can and do praise God and worship Him properly is those who have the grace of God in their hearts because it comes out of that grace. It comes not something that we work out, but something that God works in us that works out of us. You see, grace Grace is God's abounding work in us that we don't deserve what He gives to us. And grace is not only in salvation, but it runs through the whole course of sanctification. And therefore, the grace that we have is something that comes, brings out praise to God. If I'm truly born again, I'm going to learn as I grow to praise God. I'm going to become more of a praising person. And notice, <clears throat> he said, he says here, praising God whenever it makes you feel good. Oh, he says, always, 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 always. You know, I, I, I have to keep dealing with myself. I, I know you probably don't have this problem, but I have to keep dealing with myself and saying, praise God. Learn to praise God, no matter what's happening. Praise God. Keep praising God. What's the matter with you, David? You know, get on the ball. Praise God. We should always be praising God. Our whole life. That's why we get back to verse the, the second command and that being focused on the eternal and not the temporal. You see? And when you, as I said before, when you obey those first two commands, then all the rest of the commands fall into place because you're walking with a focus on Christ and you're walking with a mindset of heaven. And so everything down here is just, <laughs> it's coming and going. It's coming and going. Are you going to take that nice Rolls Royce to heaven with you? Yeah. It's just coming and going. And uh, we, we have to thank God for everything He gives us down here. And that's part of our life. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, say, well, I'm not even thankful for that because my mind's on heaven. No, 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 no. My mind's on heaven understanding that all of these temporal blessings that God has given to me are for His glory and for His praise. And so that's where my focus should be. And I just pray 
And we'll look at this in a little more depth when we have an opportunity uh, again to get together. But I, I, I just think it's so important for us to understand that what we do as a body and how we live as a body and how we praise God as a body <coughs> makes all the difference in the world. I'll share one of my gripes with you, okay? My gripes is, my gripe is, I don't like worship leaders. Where does worship come from? The heart, yeah, from here. He says, singing, making melody, where? in your heart unto the Lord. Somebody standing up here is not going to make you worship. He can't lead you in worship. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart. And when you come to be part of the assembly of God's people at Bowmanville Baptist here, you should have a heart prepared for worship. Because I'll tell you a little secret. Pastor Tony can't make you worship. The worship has to come from your heart and my heart. We have to worship God from the heart. And we worship Him how? Spirit and truth. We worship Him in spirit and truth. And the spirit is the attitude of our hearts that the Holy Spirit puts there in the truth is God's word. And so that's how we come together and worship here as the people of God at Bowmanville Baptist. Isn't that great? And it's all all my work. I worked this up last night so that no. It's what God has worked in that I work out. And let us let us live that way to the praise of his glory. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word and its truth. Thank you for the, the wonder of what you have done for us in giving us the spirit and the word that he authored and given him to us to be the interpreter of that truth. And I just pray that uh, in this body and fellowship uh, we call Bowmanville Baptist Church, you will help us all to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we live day by day. I pray in Jesus' name and to your glory. Amen.